Again and Non-Gay is a podcast from James Barr and Dan Hudson. Two unlikely friends take on the world. I'm not okay, Dan. How are you? Well, what's going on? Ultimately, the tea here is that you just don't want to talk about it. <laughs> that's basically what About what? Like, you're not a Little Mix fan, but this is big news. Well, that's not... Mix, uh, uh, mixers. What, what makes you think that? Well, because you don't want to talk about it. I did not want to talk about it. Well, I just you're don't... like, let's get the guest on. Come on, let's hurry up. There's a time and a place. No, but listen, we'll get to the guest. But right now, I just need a second to speak to my gays because this is a big moment in our lives. <laughs> Jesse's left Little Mix. Realistically, they're on their last legs, aren't they? Just, just... Uh, what? I mean, that is homophobic and I'm not having it. Well, of course they are. Like how many girl bands? <laughs> They've been around for like 10 years. That's already... No, nine, year, nine years and... Yeah. So I'm not saying they're, they're dwindling, but there's, they've got a shelf life and they've already probably surpassed it. So it doesn't, it's not so wait, really... So you're a... saying that any girl band can only be together 10 years? Yeah, for the most part. Or, How long have or... we got then? Because we've done that nearly five years now. You maintain that career for a certain amount of time and then all mainstream, and I'm not saying that as an insult, but take it as one if you want. I'm sure you will. All mainstream I'm not pop... offended. I think mainstream's great. All mainstream pop groups at a certain point will have to split up. Now, that they have way exceeded the point in which most other bands of their ilk have got to be it spice girls be it uh, take that or boys own on the, on the boys what? side it's fine i'll choose someone else to have this conversation with let's just let's just get on with the episode welcome to a gay and a non-gay i just think it's really sad i've known them for a long time I mean, not necessarily personally, um, but actually I have. Like I interviewed them nine years ago um, on the radio. And and even at that point, Jesse was, it was live. So when we were playing songs, we were chatting off the off air. And I remember really clearly Jesse being really upset because she'd seen a headline in a newspaper between records and it really upset her. And she was being trolled a lot online and everyone was calling her fat and horrible. And she's talked about this stuff. And me and the girls were all like it's okay like you you have to not listen to them like you've got to just be yourself you're amazing forget all that nonsense and you know nine years on i think jesse's still battling that and her own demons and so it's amazing that she got this far and i guess in a way sad to her fans that she's now decided that that's that's too it's too much now she that she has to step back from it and i think it's the right decision for her but it's still upsetting is that why she's calling it a day that's what Jesse is saying. That's what the girls are saying. You know, it's just sad. It's like, a, it's a very successful girl band that have done amazing things for the LGBTQ plus community. They've won Ally Awards. Where's your Ally Award? They've performed in China and put a huge LGBT flag behind them. Uh, and in the UAE, they've stood up for their LGBTQ plus fan base across the world. They're part of our community, really. And so even though it might be the right decision, it's still incredibly sad. Well, yeah. I've I've met them numerous times, probably more than you, and actually. Oh my god! <laughs> what? Why do you have to say that? For context. Not this is unnecessary context. It's like shade. Like probably more than you. Well, that you can take it however you want. I've met them numerous times, rightly or wrongly, and actually, I've always thought that she was like. <laughs> rightly or wrongly, what? Okay. She, she's probably the nicest one. Do you know what, what I mean? mean? The nicest one. Well, like I think. You mean the fittest one? I mean, I guess so. Yeah. Basically, what I'm getting at is all the abuse to her is completely unfounded. Well, yeah, I mean, abuse to anyone is unfounded. Of course. We'll get, we'll get to that in the episode. 
it's like I said to you the other day, you know, it, it's, it's a thought, not a fact. And it's how you feel about yourself. And then if people pour petrol on top of that self-hate that you already have by throwing hate at you, it's really difficult to be strong enough to stand up against it. Yeah, of course. So, I um, mean, it, it's not actually about whether or not she is fit. It's about what's going on inside her head. So, yeah, great. It's awesome that you think she's fit, but it's not really about that. It is a shame, though, because, yeah, she's stunning. But I wish everyone could see how beautiful they are. Not everyone is beautiful. Am I beautiful, though? I don't really know what that means. Well, I'm really excited about our episode this week because despite the very triggering things going on in the world, this episode is an interview with an incredibly funny, frank, feisty, non-binary queen. And... Uh, is that is that kosher? what bit saying queen yeah yeah because i call everyone queen i might call everyone a bloke but it doesn't mean that, that that everyone a queen isn't gendered thank you for checking but i'm pretty sure jamie's okay being called queen okay cool well it's your it's your funeral jamie windust is on the podcast this week they're a writer they're an editor they're a model and a public speaker um you might have seen their ted talk from last year uh, which is amazing. We're going to play a bit of that in this episode. They've also just brought out a book called In Their Shoes, Navigating Non-Binary Life, which is yeah. kind of like a guide to living your best life as a non-binary person, but also... Yeah, but also, yeah, as a person, right? Because it's just such an amazing book full of self-acceptance. And that's why I'm so excited about the episode today, because I just think you're going to get such a good vibe from Jamie. A gay and a non-gay. I don't think we've actually met, but I've noticed you around quite a bit because you would sit in the Cafe Nero by the BBC. So for those who haven't seen you, you're very uh, recognisable. You wear a lot of makeup, you've got pink hair. And every time I saw you, I thought, and I don't mean this in any way to be like patronising, but I've always thought, oh my God, what a fucking brave person who just does not give a shit. I realise that sounds patronising, but I just think there's so many people who would want to dress and present how you do, but just cannot be bothered. Do you know what? I have so many, so many messages from people being like, did you used to sit in the Cafe Nero? And I'd be like, that is deeply embarrassing. Yes. <laughs> there was a uh, lot um, in Dan's question that wanted, that made me want to roll my eyes. Um, but mostly it was, I work at the BBC. Uh, and... <laughs> I, I, firstly, I didn't say that at all. Didn't you? I didn't know where you got that from. Do you know, one thing that I think I get called a lot is, is brave to go back to Dan's monologue. Is it easy? <laughs> Do you know what? I understand where it comes from and I understand why people would say that. But I think when people, and I don't mean this directly at you, Dan, we've only just met, but the message behind people saying you're brave indicates that the world is not nice for them. So instead of congratulating the person for being brave, sometimes I like to think I wish people would make it easier so that I didn't have to be as brave. Do you know what I mean? I don't mean that as a direct attack at you. I just mean that notion of it being brave to be different, I think is sometimes a bit flaccid. I see that, but it doesn't make it any less true. No. And no. I'm speaking from some degree of ex experience. James, you're gonna find this hilarious, but I, I had, over lockdown, I grew like a massive beard and I quite enjoyed having it, but I eventually shaved it off because it was creating problems for me. People were thinking I was homeless and therefore like following me around Sainsbury's and then so I couldn't be bothered, but you're you're like a thousand times more out there than me having a beard. Anyway, let's move on. It was really nice to know that you're also talking from experience, Dan. 
and actually jamie what you said is correct like it's tiring that any of us like that looks slightly different to other people get so much attention it is draining isn't it yeah and i think in, you know in the book i talk about how when i first started playing with fashion it was never and it still isn't it was never for other people's reaction that was kind of almost like a secondary uh something i hadn't even realized so when i first wore clothes that i felt really comfortable in i was actually like oh why are people why are people so pissed off like what's going on so yeah I agree. I love, do you know, what? I love the dynamic of YouTube because James, you just always end up shouting at Dan and then Dan <laughs> having to like scramble back and try not to get cancelled. Which... <laughs> that's, bas- that's basically the podcast. To be honest, yeah. I don't, in this instance, I don't really care what James, well, I don't really care what James thinks like for the, for the most part. Like, anyway. It's more you, to be honest. It would. I, I also, I, I think was... lately it's probably fair to say that I've had to do a lot of scrambling because I've offended straight people. So yeah. <laughs> I think we're both uh, learning together, but thanks. That's really awesome. So <laughs> anyway, we should talk about you and the book. There's a lot There's a lot of honesty in there. It's really difficult to bring up questions with you because of some of the stuff I've learned from it, where I know that perhaps you don't want to talk about certain events that have happened, but you talk about relationships a lot. And I think that bit's really important because you're telling people not to change who they are for someone. And you talk about this date you went on with a guy uh, who is like just chasing trans oh. and non-binary people what is the word for that chaser oh a chaser okay so that, i have got that right <laughs> yeah that was awful honestly i can't look at a wooden spoon ever again because he, he he was just tapping me under the table with a wooden spoon um <laughs> so yeah but it was weird and for me that that chapter was the, the first one i wrote and the easiest because I, I i feel very exposed to dating i don't not that i date a lot but it, it's something that i'm very interested in this concept of romance and relationships I think because I don't have a lot of experience in it so I like I'm almost like a voyeur to people in relationships because my accessibility to romance feels very limited and like you've explained like it's either the chaser coming in and just wanting to shag or everyone else thinking you're a bit bonkers and not going near so um yeah the chaser guy was, was odd that was a fun story to recall there's lots that I didn't put in oh really <laughs> yeah what exactly because <laughs> i was very aware that i was like my mother's gonna read this so i was like i can't actually divulge what he was saying when i walked him back to the train station but there's wow. just a lot of um you know it gets very explicit very fast and i think that's an unfortunate reality often for a lot of trans people when dating but just in, in, in layperson's terms what we're talking about here is blokes or whoever having a fetish about transgender and non-binary people and seeing you people like you and it's like all their birthdays have come at once and they just like zoning on you and <laughs> yeah a lot of men often have this idea that sleeping with trans people is like a loophole or it's like something that doesn't make them gay it doesn't make them whatever and you know you know if you sleep with a trans woman it doesn't make you gay uh this means you might like dick so a lot of trans people it's very, very obvious when men come into your space, whether it's physically or through dating apps, if they're a chaser, because they will kind of be like incredibly nice, incredibly like over enthusiastic, making out like you're the most beautiful person on the planet. And then two seconds in, we'll just like send you a picture of their knob. I think for me, I can deal with the like very, the primary ramifications of that. You know, I can spot it, I can get rid of it. But the, the kind of secondary effect of that is quite difficult to process because it kind of is like every time you think you're going you're speaking to someone fun or like lovely 
they actually just want to shag you to tick you off their kind of fetish list. Which, don't get me wrong, sometimes we'll divulge because why? <laughs> but, it, you know, it, it makes it makes dating very difficult. These are fuckboys, basically, but even worse, I guess. Yeah, there's a level of it that, you know, can it can be dangerous. You know, some of these people, if they feel very specifically about trans people um, in a very sexual way, but sometimes, you know, that can turn violent, it can turn dramatic, it can go all kinds of ways. So it's a very volatile situation. And what I find surprising is lots of, in air quotes, normal looking men are chasers. One thing that they all have in common is a massive beard. Really? really? What's that about then? <laughs> How does that work? <laughs> That's very interesting. Is that Thank scientific or is that just... For letting us know that information. That's <laughs> scientific information. But yeah, no, I mean, it's a lot. I mean, I've just decided to not date. I just don't, I don't care for it. I don't, I don't have the patience for it. And I, you know, one of my favourite things to write about in the book was this idea of de-pedestalling romance and taking it down from this, like, everybody must work to be in a relationship. So now I just get everything that I would get from a relationship from friends, family, uh, I'm not shagging my mum, but like... Right, yeah, I mean, I didn't want to make that joke. <laughs> Wahey! Let's talk about the darker moments in your book where you've talked about being attacked for the way that you look. And mm. I really love how you describe this. You, you've written, you were attacked by people unhappy about the ways in which we live as ourselves, thinking it's okay to invade our bodies and privacy, launch themselves up our dresses, or kick us out of sight. <sighs> It's an amazing bit of writing. I've almost become quite desensitized when I when I write these things. Like obviously I find it difficult. This year specifically, I've had a real shift in, in my work because over the for the past two years I'm writing the book, I have primarily kind of expunged my hardship or trauma or drama um, as a trans person into my work, which can be fine, but I was realizing that I wasn't in a right place to do it. And even kind of looking back on the book, there are times where I was like, I've not processed this, but I'm gonna, I'm writing about it to begin that process. So that was interesting to write, difficult to write, um, very vulnerable. Again, I kind of forget that lots of people can potentially read that. But I wanted, I think my point is when I wanted, what I wanted to do by sharing this is to almost get that idea of being desensitized to it I wanted that to come across because it shows how often it happens, how common it is and how, you know, we're not surprised by it. Trans people, unfortunately, are not surprised by these things happening. So, yeah, obviously it's a lot for people to read, but, I, you know, you can take from it what you what you may. One of the stories that, that stuck out for me was uh, you got invited to a family wedding on the proviso that you wore a suit. Yeah, and it was, it was, I remember, it was at the point in time where I was, like, really young and I was just really getting confident with who I was. And the the reason that they said I had to wear a suit was because they didn't want me to pull focus. And they were, our friends wouldn't be impressed. So they were kind of more concerned with like what their friends would think that were coming, what their extended family would think, all these kinds of things. So I ended up not going. I just decided to not go. And then what made me laugh is in all of the wedding photos, there's someone with like a three foot mohawk. Is that not going to pull focus? It was, it was an interesting one, but it made me realise, again, with this idea of de-pedestalling certain relationships, it made me realise that sometimes blood is not thicker than water. With that situation, did this person realise that they were wrong in hindsight? Um, no, so I actually, I haven't spoken to them for about four years. And last, uh, probably about a year ago, when I was finalising the, the book, I rang them 
um, out of the blue and I was just like, look, this is in the book. I've, it's not attributed to your name. Your name is not in it. The story is there. And they were basically like, you need to send me the book. I don't believe you to like send me the chapter, which I obviously refused. And then I questioned, you know, how do you feel about the situation? Like, what's the other reason you don't want it in there? Is it because you are ashamed? Like, do you feel different now? And no. Um, so it's actually escalated now so that I'm not allowed to see any part of their family or children, um, which is wow. always fun. Um, I'm so sorry. I mean, it's fine because I didn't care about them anyway, but it's just kind of like... It's just bullshit. It is a bit bullshit. And it's also like, I never have had... No, I've been quite privileged to not have to have massive family uh, disputes because of my identity before. So, you know, this kind of little rupture over here does actually fracture out and, and causes tension between yeah. the extended family. A gay and a non-gay. You're uh, assigned male at birth. Do you think that's easier or harder than being assigned female at birth, but being a non-binary person? It's an interesting question because there's, if you look at the representation of non-binary people, there's more representation of people who are assigned male at birth. And I think in the UK specifically, that comes from this idea that, you know, androgyny, like people who are assigned, assigned male at birth and androgyny, there's a cultural history of that. So, you know, like David Bowie by George, you know, it's familiar. Whereas on the flip side, there's less representation, but there's, you know, equal amounts of discrimination. A lot of people who are assigned female at birth and identify as non-binary are often not believed as much, or there's more discrimination there because it's not as widely seen or it's, it's, it's kind of, don't know it's a frustrating thing because it's like there's no one way to be and then on the flip side there's people you know for example like yourself dan uh people who present in a fairly traditionally masculine way but will identify as non-binary um but because of the way they look again there's an assumption that they can't be non-binary because you're not androgynous or wearing makeup or all bells and whistles so there's problems on both sides but I think there definitely needs to be more representation of different types of non-binary bodies because it's not representative to just have white, able-bodied, assigned male at birth, trans people in spaces. Is it because society wants to... I mean, it is. It, society just wants to put us all in a box, right? So this is where stereotypes about being camp come from for gay men. Like, oh, well, you can't be gay because you play football or whatever. <laughs> like, is, and it's the same in non-binary and trans spaces too, I think. Is it? Yeah, I'd say so. Like, I know a lot of non-binary people that... I guess would pass as cisgendered. So, you know, they appear fairly traditionally, their gender expression is fairly traditional, masculine or feminine. And I think they often have it harder in some circumstances because they have to come out so much more. If you look at someone like me, you obviously know there's something a bit, something's got a bit awry. So, you know, it's not as much of a surprise when I come out. But it's that level of putting people in a box, even with, like I say, about this kind of cultural idea of people like David Bowie and stuff. And when they see people like me, I'm always, people think I look like someone and they usually go to like an 80s pop star. And even that in essence is trying to categorize me as just like a flamboyant gay man. You know, that people can't, people see me personally from my experience and they're like, don't understand. So I'm just going to go to the nearest thing that I understand. And that's Deborah Bowie. And then yeah. they, they don't, they kind of can't comprehend anything else. 
um, which is why often I people will gravitate towards me because they think I look interesting. And then when I open my mouth, they're like, oh, I'm not listening because I, I just like your face. Dan, and I just want to give a massive thank you to every single one of our a gay and a non-gay patrons. You are amazing. You keep our podcast going. And without you, I don't know where we'd be, especially in this pandemic. Thank you for everything. Thank you for your messages. Thank you for your support. If you want to join, please go to gaynongay.com slash donate. Yes. And if you are a Patreon and you're listening to this on the day it comes out, or the day after, um, we are hosting... <laughs> that is so specific. If you're listening on Wednesday, the 16th of December, or Thursday, the 17th of December, 2020, then on the Thursday, the 17th of December, 2020, we are nice. holding a Zoom Christmas party for all of our patrons, um, which is going to be a lot of fun. So yeah, good time to sign up. Gainongay.com slash donate. <laughs> and we'll definitely do these again in the new year. We can't wait to see you. Okay, welcome back to Again and On Gay with the amazing Jamie Windust. You did a TED talk this time last year about the urgent need for support for trans and non-binary people. And it it's amazing. Like we shared it. I think it's brilliant. It's so powerful. Has anything changed, do you think, in the last year? I think there has been more vocal support. You know, this year we've seen a lot of social uprising. We've seen the Black Lives Matter movement. We've seen so much kind of you know, when you're stuck inside, often a lot of the time you do just end up analysing your social situations in the world, and that can be influential. But I think in terms of transness, that has meant that, you know, when we've had situations this year like the Gender Recognition Act or when transphobia has really kind of gone up a notch in the media, we've had more vocal support. However, I wouldn't say that things have got any better. I'd say this year has been even, probably even worse just because of the fact that mental health is already really low and services for trans people have already been cut and are now diminished because of the pandemic. And we've had this year compared to most, a lot of media attention because of the GRA. So if I'm honest, no. And I think the UK has a very specific flavor of transphobia. The past three months have been the hardest of my life. Trans siblings of mine have all been on rock bottom constantly ringing each other every single day to check that we're still okay. To check that we're still here. To check that we still want to be here. Would you say the volume on both sides of the argument is, is ups this year? So there's more support for trans people, but as that comes through, there's also more transphobia as well. Yeah, and I think it's, it's, it's because transphobia is not isolated in its core. Transphobia is connected to white supremacy, it's connected to fascism. So as they as each prejudice rises, you know, we've seen the rise of the far right. That means that, you know, transphobia also rises with it. So it's it yeah, it's frustrating because sometimes it's like, for example, with the GRA, I know personally for me, and I know a lot of trans people would say, We couldn't we couldn't give a flying fuck. Because there are like nine million different other issues that are more important. Like, yes, the GRA is an isolated issue that will help a lot of people and it needs reform. However, the amount of airtime that it got is not representative of the care that trans people have for it. So yeah, they're kind of both steadily going up at the same time, which is uh, interesting. The broadest and most diverse coalition in history, Democrats, Republicans, independents, progressives, moderates, conservatives, young, old, urban, suburban, rural, Gay, straight, transgender, white, Latino, Asian, Native American. 
I assume with the election of President-elect Biden, we can hope that some of the Trump decisions on transgender people will hopefully be reversed. Um, are you are you confident about about that happening? You know, he has outlined specifically what he would do for LGBT people in his first 100 days, which I think is great. But then I think a lot of the commentary around Biden and a lot of the discussion in the UK with um, Sergei Starmer is that, you know, we don't necessarily love the politician. We just hate the alternative. So I think he is, you know, Biden is great, but it's quite easy for him to look good because yeah. he's changing very, very right-wing policies. So I think it needs to be done right. He he has a lot of issues. Um, other issues when it comes to policing, when it comes to Black Lives Matter, you know, he's not, he's not an amazing candidate. Take the example the other day when he said trans people in his speech. Naming trans people in your speech is amazing and, I, and you know, it's, it's great. However, for me personally, things like that just feel very gimmicky because I'm like, okay, sure, anyone can say that. Boris Johnson probably said that at some point. But action is more important than you just saying trans people in your speech. But not to be a massive pessimist, you know, we're going the right way, hopefully. It's interesting because it's something else you address in your book and it's a similar thing I've struggled with and I think I'm also part of the problem. But when LGBTQ plus people like ourselves and the media will like cling on to a cause. So in, in your book, you talk about the example of feeling unsafe to hold hands in public and how for a while that was what a lot of gay people were talking about. And in my world, I've been like banging on about fairy tale of New York forever. And you write... But what about the fact that some people in this country literally don't think trans people should be able to exist, work, live, be educated or literally do anything because they're trans? What about people across the world that are being murdered because they're trans? So how do we balance all of this stuff? Because there's so many fires to put out. Yeah, and I agree. And I think what happens is, you know, for example, take your your situation with the song. That is an absolutely fine and fair battle to have. And I think there's nothing, what I, meant, what I meant by that point is there's nothing wrong with having those thoughts and wanting to fight those battles. But what the problem is, specifically, I think in the UK, those types of battles whip up culture wars with the media because they focus so heavily on something that is actually a, you know, a very, very reasonable thing to ask for. And then what that does is it completely tars any discussion around LGBTQ plus people with this brush of like, ah, oh, they're all just like dickheads who want to get rid of faggot in Fairy Hill. <laughs> so I'm not saying that it's a bad thing and I'm not saying that it shouldn't be done, but my problem is with the way that it's reported on. The way that this the British media reports on LGBTQ plus people is they pick a very minor issue that a lot of people don't have on their radar and some do, but they make it seem as if all LGBT people care about this massive issue and it's our massive fight. And it's like, no, I, I agree with the fight, but we've got lots, like you say, we've got lots of little fires going on. And then it shuts down the conversation because people will be like, ah, oh, them fucking idiots, they're just snowflakes, blah, blah, blah. And then we're back to square one. So it's no one's fault. It's just fucked. The, the media only has, the like if the news actually reported the real news, we'd never watch it because it would be leading with climate change every hour and it would be leading with stories about the Armenian gen genocide and all sorts of stuff that basically we don't give a shit about. Um, so there is only room for like a certain amount of 
stories and then they sort of go oh well fairly tell in new york everybody knows that song and blah yeah. blah, blah, blah like it's just such That'll an annoy the boomers let's put that on yeah. the front page it's clickbait isn't it but it's also how we're treated as people uh it's like oh that's the gay comedian so we'll use that one or like you know that's the the lesbian comedian and that's the non-binary author and, and it's really hard to carve out our own space because there's only one of each of us in the mainstream achieving success now that's obviously a very sweeping statement and it isn't entirely true but it's really difficult because we're all stereotyped into these boxes well, yeah, exactly. And when, I, for example, like now when I'm working on future projects and stuff, I find it really, really difficult to sit down with like commissioning team or, you know, people from publishers and explain that I don't necessarily have to or want to write about LGBT things. They don't understand that concept, which is partly my fault, but partly not because when you start off in an industry and you want to get somewhere, unfortunately, most of the time you just become a yes person and you're like, yeah, I'll say yes, 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 yes. And then what you end up doing is to become pigeonholed, especially in the media, because you end up just doing the stories that are potentially quite uh, basic because you need to eat. And then you end up, if someone looks up, looks you up and it's like, oh, what does Jamie do? And it's like, oh, Jamie does all of this trans stuff. And it's like, yeah, I obviously really care about it. But at the beginning, that's all I was offered. And I wasn't in a position to ask for more. Are we part of that problem, though, by doing an interview with you about all of this trans stuff? Like, should we be talking about fashion or the crown and <laughs> what you think about Diana and Charles? I really worry about that a lot. It's mm. like always in my mind, like whether I'm part of this performative wokeness problem that you mentioned in the book. And and mm. like by joining the conversation about Trans Awareness Week, are we also just benefiting from it and and it's really hard to like get that balance of signal virtueing right or maybe yeah. it's not and i'm just overthinking it no I, I agree with what you say and i think it, it comes at the end of the day it does come down to personal choice for example i i knew what i was getting myself into here um and i'm happy to speak about it and i think if you're that's that's the main crux with what's going on at the moment if you're happy to talk about an issue and it's identity specific, and you feel ready to talk about it, and you want to share it, rock and roll. Has anyone seen The Crown? <laughs> I, I actually haven't, because James, I used James's login on Netflix, and he's changed my profile to a child, so I can only watch cartoons. Classic banter. Um, <laughs> thank you so much, Jamie. It's been amazing to chat to you. Please get Jamie's book, In Their Shoes, out now, Navigating Non-Binary Life. And I love this quote from Juno Dawson, who is one of our favourites. Jamie is a pioneer. I'll take it. Thank you so much, my love. Thanks for listening, babes. Do the admin and support a gay and a non-gay? Visit gaynongay.com slash donate.